and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, be sure you do it right now. Yeah, I come out with new episodes every single Wednesday, and you're going to want to check them out. That's right. And if you're an Apple Podcast user and you like what you're hearing, scroll down right now, click that five-star rating for me. It really helps the podcast grow, and I would really greatly appreciate that. Absolutely. Now, today on the podcast, first segment is going to be about controlling behaviors. Maybe why they're not so good, right? Uh, Is your dog controlling you? Yeah, maybe. Then this is the segment you're going to want to listen to. Uh, We talk a little more in depth about that and how to get it a little under control. Then the following segment will be how to get your dog to take you seriously, kind of along those same lines. But does your dog ignore you when you ask them to sit? Do they not come when called? Do they really just kind of overall not listen? You know, I want a dog to be a dog, but there are moments we need them to take us seriously. So it's important that you know how to get that result from your dog. Following this will be our Breed of the Week segment, then our listener Q&A. And if you guys have any questions for that listener Q&A, you can email me questions at speakadogcast.com. That's right. And also, as I've mentioned last week, we're char- uh, we've just started doing virtual training sessions. If you guys have any behavioral issues with your dog, we can train together. That's right. We can get your dog's behavior under control. Go ahead and email me. Let me know what's going on behaviorally with, the, with your dog. We'll talk more. Maybe we can set up a consultation. We'll dive deep into your dog's behavior. We'll set up a good training plan and get that behavior on the right track. I'd love to be a part of that process. Email me questions at speakadogcast. Now we're going to get this podcast underway, but before we do, I've got to give you that trivia question of the day. And today's trivia question is, what breed of dog is sometimes referred to as Little Black Devil? Yeah, what dog breed is sometimes referred to as a Little Black Devil? I'll give you the answer to that question today in today's podcast, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. on Speak Dogcast, it's a segment on controlling behaviors. So what are controlling behaviors? You know, they display themselves in a wide variety of different things. There's pulling on leash, controlling the front door maybe, controlling how we greet people, greet other dogs, playtime with people, playtime with other dogs. They try to control that. Um, I've even heard some things where a person stands up on the couch to leave. A friend has been over all night And all of a sudden they get up to leave for the night and the dog's trying to control when they leave, whether it's through obsessive barking or even something more severe like biting and nipping. So controlling behaviors can really displace themselves in a variety of ways. And, you know, when I go to appointments, a lot of times I'll, you know, I'll I'll see these behaviors in dogs and I'll be like, hey, you know, uh, does that dog do that a lot? Is there consistency to it? Oh, yeah, he plays like that. Or, oh, yeah, well, he does that when people leave. He doesn't like it when people leave people leave. It's not that he even does it. You know, well, first of all, I can't prove if he does or doesn't like it, but it's actually controlling. So, you know, it, I see my perspective is going to be different than what the average owner sees. And a lot of times I'll point out these things and, it, you know, after discussing and talking through them, the owner will all of a sudden go, oh my gosh, I never thought about it like that. You know, wow, you're so right. Uh, I can see how that, you know, how, how, it's, how it's controlling. So, you know, we're going to talk more about these kind of controlling behaviors. Some of them I just mentioned a little more in depth, but why do dogs display these controlling behaviors? We really kind of have to ask why. 
And it really comes down to how a dog is hardwired. I mean, sure, it's how every animal is hardwired that it kind of starts here. It starts very basic and instinctual. I've said it before, but what 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 does every animal on this planet want? Because in reality, guys, every animal on this planet really just wants the same thing. And that is stability. We all want stability. Um, look, human beings, we look for stability in our own lives, whether that means have just having a roof over our head or financial stability or career stability, relationship stability, stability with our families. You know, we're constantly seeking out stability in our lives. And animals, no matter how basic or complicated, we're all the same way in that sense that we all seek stability. Now, we all gain stability really the same way, like different ways, but the same way. Because, I mean, what we all, what, what, what I view as stability, you might not, or what a hawk views as stability is not going to be what a dog views as stability. So we kind of take different mechanisms to gain that stability, right? Uh, human beings, we have laws, we have rules, we have social structure, we have all these things that help gain stability in our lives. Dogs are going to be the same way. They, they have social structure that helps gain stability, and that's just it. Right. We've, we we kind of this goes into the whole alpha thing and we're not going to talk about that. I don't like the word alpha today. But as I've said before, it's not about it's not about being alpha. It's not about er, but rather it's about who's going to be the right leader to create control and stability for the pack. Pack mentality is just that it's all about the betterment of the pack of the whole right? So dogs seek out good quality and strong leadership in order to ensure that stability, in order to ensure survival, okay? So when people talk about alpha, I'm like, you know, guys, it's not, to me, it's not about alpha. It's about control and stability, the betterment of the pack. So dogs, especially as puppies, they tend to sort of, I mean, hey, kids are the same way, right? They tend to act out and they tend to act out in order to find where the boundary is. And for a dog, if nobody's going to put that boundary in place, well, then they're going to keep pushing because the, what they see is, you know, well, nobody else is putting the rules in place. Nobody else is stepping up as a leader. I better step up and take that role. The problem becomes when a dog tries to take on that leadership position in a human world, well, it just doesn't work out well. I mean, a dog is just not going to be a great leader of human beings. No, it's just not how it's going to work. The human has to be the leader of the dog. And the problem is when humans, and this is, look, this is why I have a job at the end of the day, but when humans don't understand how to communicate with their dog and how to display those leadership qualities, then the dog tries to step up and be the leader. And there's just so many variables in a dog's, you know, in the average dog's life that they just can't control. Like when they get to go outside, you know, unless you have a doggy door, but you know, when you get to go outside, when you get to eat, when you get to sleep, all these different things that we can control over their life. But if you're not really establishing true control over your dog, and then they're trying to establish control through other things, all those other things that, you know, the controlling behavior, some of those that I mentioned earlier, well, then you get this back and forth constant power struggle, this constant battle for control. And that's what gets us these behavioral issues once again, okay? So this is why dogs display controlling behaviors. No one has really told them not to. No one has established that they're the leader. And therefore, the dog feels the need to overcompensate and attempt to fill that leadership position. So when you don't control your dog, 
your dog is going to attempt to control you and unfortunately many times succeed in controlling you, right? So this is why it's really important, guys. It's so important that you control your dog and you do not let your dog control you, okay? It's, it's healthy. It's healthy for you to control your dog. It's unhealthy for it to be the other way around. And for some reason, a lot of people out there think it's cute and adorable for their dogs to control them, when in fact, it's really not, guys. It's just not. Um, you know, I can talk about my puppy Riker again right now. He was adorable at 11, still is adorable. <laughs> but I mean, he's this adorable little mush puppy at 11 weeks old who you just want to let do whatever you want, right? Of course, because he's so cute. No, wrong. Wrong. <laughs> you know, I can't just let Riker start jumping all over me and putting his paws on me and and nibbling on me because it's cute. Because, right, he's, he's only he was only probably, I would guess, around 11 pounds when we got him. He's not going to cause any damage by putting his paws all over me and nibbling on me. But in a couple weeks when he gets bigger, if we haven't told him to not do those things, then he's going to continue to do them, you know? That's just the way it works. If, if it, It's like a little kid getting away with a behavior. Just getting away with it is reinforcement. So even though here I am with this cute, adorable little puppy a couple weeks ago, I can't let him get away with this behavior. I can't let him thinking he can control me. He can control playtime. He can control affection. He controls when he gets things. If I reinforce that behavior, then all I'm doing is reinforcing controlling behaviors, and then my dog attempts to control me. And then that controllingness can lead to possessiveness over you, can lead to aggressive tendencies toward other dogs, possessiveness of toys, can lead to all different kinds of snowballing behaviors very quickly. So it's really important that you guys, again, always control your dog. You know, like going back to puppies here again for a second. Um, you know, I, I always recommend to my clients, when you have a puppy, you should start with really strict rules. You really should. You should just button down. You know, I just had a, a boot camp return, a puppy boot camp return. And that's one of the things we had to discuss is you guys, you know, I, I would tell my clients, you need to implement like the same level of rules that I had on week one at boot camp. Like here we are at the end of boot camp, at the end of three weeks of puppy boot camp. I've been able to lax my rules a little bit because I established them from the beginning. But now I need you guys to go back to where my week one rules to establish this. So it's established with you. Okay. Then after a couple of weeks of established strict rules, then we can start letting the rules go a little bit. And wouldn't you know it, the structure still stays in place. Right. So if we start with strict rules, then we can let them go a little bit later on. But the problem is, if I start with no rules, no structure, no boundaries, no strict rules, and then months later, I'm trying to reel it in and 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 get them to calm down. They're going to be like, whoa, buddy, I it's been a free for all. Like, <laughs> why am I going to listen to you now? I don't want to listen. to you. Now you got to battle with them. That's a that that stinks. That's a problem. Whereas if you had just started with the strict rules in place to begin with. Then you could have taken them away and the dog would still be good. You know, it's it's like teachers at the beginning of the school year. Um, well, you know, at least when I was growing up, uh, <laughs> the teachers were pretty mean the first month of school. They were. They were very strict, most of them. And it's because, especially if you've got a classroom of 30 children, you, 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 better, you better establish that control or those kids are going to eat you alive. Am I right? <laughs> so... Um, Teachers were known for being a little strict, a little mean the first month of school. 
And it's because they had to establish those boundaries off the bat. If they had just let it be a free-for-all, and I saw a teacher, I, I had a teacher once or twice that did that that maybe tried to befriend us and buddy-buddy us in the first month instead of establishing rule structure and boundaries. And wouldn't you know it, they didn't get as good of a result. (laughs) So again, if you just let behaviors go and then try to stop them later on, it's going to be way harder, way harder to try to reel that in. So again, with puppies, I start by, and again, any dog for that, any dog that's new for, new to you guys, you really should start with strict rules, strict boundaries. That way later on, you can release those rules, release those boundaries, but the structure still stays in place, okay? So controlling behaviors, my goodness. Um, mm, all right. You know, again, there are going to be things as a professional that I'm going to see that any, you know, other behavior specialists, other trainers that we as professionals, because we do this day in, day out, we're going to see things that the average owner isn't. And look, I'll be honest, it's a little irritating when I get the phone call and the voicemail is two minutes long and I, you know, I'm going to complain moment here. I'm going to, I'm going to a little bit. Um, <laughs> the voicemail is two minutes long and the person's telling me, everything that's wrong with the dog and they know it's this and they know it's that and they know it's that, but they don't know how to fix it. And I'm sorry, but as an average dog owner, no, you don't know what's going on because if you did, you would have fixed it by now. And I can already tell when I get a call like that, I hate to say it, but the consultation is going to be a battle for me because the client already thinks that they know what's happening. And again, as I said at the beginning of the segment, I'm going to see things that you guys, another again, profession as a professional, us professionals, us trainers, us behavior specialists, we're going to see things that you guys would never even think to look at and never even think to see. Um, again, tonight, going back to that, that puppy boot camp return, I loved it. It was awesome. I had a great time at that return, by the way. Uh, awesome family, awesome dog. And, um, you know, the husband, he realized, he was like, oh my gosh, I think I created that bad behavior, the biting behavior. And he realized it. He was like, oh my gosh, because I let that controlling behavior happen. I reinforced it thinking I was redirecting it. She ended up getting what she wanted in the long run. And yeah, yeah. So even just tonight, he saw where it was like, oh my gosh, my perspective was totally wrong on this. You know, it was just, it was perspective. It was a matter of perspective. He just didn't know any better until I gave him the right information and the right way to look at it. And then he was like, oh my gosh, like, how can I be so stupid? Right. I mean, yeah, we all make silly mistakes like that where we inadvertently reinforce uh, behaviors we shouldn't have. Another thing with this dog is before uh, I took the dog for the boot camp, and we're going to see what happens now that it's home, of course, now that she's home. But, uh, their, their kids are home. Um, uh, you know, they, kid, kids will come downstairs. Excuse me. The kids will come downstairs from like, you know, they, they've been asleep first thing in the morning. Dad's already awake, gotten dog out of the crate. The kids come down the stairs and all of a sudden she'll go up and try to like nip at them and excitement is what they, you know, it looks always excited to see them. And I don't, that's not what they said, but that's what most people would say to that. Oh, it's just a puppy being excited to see their owners. No, it's more than that, guys. It's more than that. It really is. That's control. And then, of course, if if just knowing that alone, someone might think, oh, it's just a puppy behavior. But if you talk to the owners and you hear the other behaviors that come along with it, the other ways, the other control displacements that this dog is displaying, then it becomes very apparent. The pattern that you see becomes crystal clear 
This isn't just playfulness. This isn't just puppiness. This dog is attempting to control because they just came downstairs first thing in the morning and she's trying to establish right off the bat, I control you. Then all of a sudden there's playtime. They're trying to control playtime. They're trying to tell me when we want to play. How about that? Later on in the day, they'll be sitting on the couch and the dog will come up to them and demand playtime. Boy, there's another way the dog is controlling. Okay. So again, my perspective as a professional is going to be different than what you see. And my job is to try to get the, you know, of course, is to get the owner to see that. As I always say, my job isn't necessarily to train dogs while it is. Uh, it's to change your perspective, change the average owner's perspective on what a dog is and how we look at these things. Okay. So again, controlling behaviors are not just cutesy. They're really not. Okay. Another thing when this dog was, and I, and I love it, she's come a long way and her behavior's changed a lot. And again, we'll see now that she's back where this ends up. Uh, but it's just a great example. It's fresh in my brain right now. And um, she was controlling with playtime a little bit too. Again, she's a puppy and she didn't really know any better, but we obviously had heard inadvertently the owners had reinforced controlling behaviors. And then she goes, wow, control, acting, controlling, trying to control things works really well for me. I'm going to try to control other things now. And now she's trying to control playtime with other dogs. And she just plays very intense. At first, she wasn't really willing to go on her back. She really wanted to be on top of the other dogs and work. But by the end, I taught her to do, hey, give in a little bit. Relinquish that control. It's okay to relinquish control in front of another dog, in front of another puppy who's playing like you. Okay, So things like that, that... Again, people would look and go, oh, they're just playing. She's just She just plays intense. She's chalk it up to she plays intense. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Again, behaviors don't just happen. There's always a reason. There's always something behind them, okay? So even playtime with other dogs. Um, look, these controlling displacements can come out in, in, in really maybe more subtle ways. I'll give you an example. I had another dog I was working with recently, and look, he has, he has a lot of controlling behaviors, Um and one of the things we were working on was the front door exercise. And this dog was very reactive to the doorbell. And I mean, very reactive and a lot of overexcitement, especially because some of his favorite people would come to the door and he really would lose it with certain people and excitement. And as we're working through this, as I'm, I'm, you know, we're working on trying to calm him down and we're working on controlling him and things like that. Um, just this little subtle example. I was asking him to go to his spot, right? Sit, stay. And then I was releasing him to come over to me. But here's the thing. He would sit, he would stay, he'd listen just fine. But when I released him, he would, and how do I explain this exactly? He would take like a leap forward, like a, like a, like a leap forward and pounce his front paws on the ground. And then he would walk over to me. It wasn't just to let me stand up from a sit and walk over to you. Nice. No, he had to get up and like boom, pounce his feet on the ground and then come over to me. And it was a clear pattern because he did it every time. And I look at the owner and go, see, what's happening here is because he's used to controlling the situation and I'm not letting him control the situation, he's now attempting to displace even the most minute form of control. He's like, all right, well, you're not, I can't normally bark and do the thing I normally do, so I'll, I'll go at the ground. <laughs> I mean, guys, I've been doing this too long that there's no coincidence. And the owner goes, wait, really? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not just because. He's not just doing that just because, okay? 
behaviors happen for a reason. And the problem is when if you let a dog get away with those kind of controlling behaviors, then they snowball because in his brain, he goes, oh, that controlling displacement worked for me. I'm going to control. I'm Controlling works for me. I'm going to do it again. If he gets away with it again, oh, controlling this worked for me. So I'm going to go try to control playtime. I'm going to go try to control the front door. I'm going to go try to control that person over there on the walk. I'm going to control this dog I'm unfamiliar with before he has a chance to control me. This is what controlling behaviors get you. This is what happens when you let your dog control things. And speaking of, side note on this, one of my least favorite phrases at a dog park that I hear, let them figure it out. You're literally letting the dogs take control and figure it out. Not a good idea, guys. Not a good idea. Look, there are times that you need to let dogs figure it out, but... Two unfamiliar dogs at the dog park when 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 the energy and the feeling and the vibe is very intense because dog I, dog parks don't you know rarely are they calm. Um, that's not the time to let them figure it out. When the owner is distracted on their cell phone and not paying attention with the dog that's figuring it out, that's not the time to let them figure it out. Okay, time and a place for everything, and that's definitely not the time. And majority of the time, the owner should be the one figuring it out, should be establishing control so the dogs aren't establishing control, okay? So that's my little side note there. Mm. Um, but yeah, guys, controlling behaviors, we, we, we can find that they display themselves in a wide variety of ways, but the one thing we know and we can take away, controlling behaviors are not healthy. Dogs attempt to control things in order to create stability, but unfortunately... Ugh, dogs will do behaviors that are just silly, undesired, or maybe just downright unhealthy because in their brains, they'll go, well, controlling worked for me in the past, so I'll do it again. Okay. It's simplistic thinking, but it, that's how it works. Okay. So if you let your dog get away with these controlling displacements at the front door, pulling on a leash, whether it's with playtime or other people or how they accept affection, then we're really letting our dog take over and that's not okay because they'll take over and they'll take it to an extreme and take it to too much. If your dog is displaying controlling behaviors, it means you aren't controlling them and that's not healthy. It needs to be the other way around, guys. You need to be controlling your dog. That's the best way to do it, okay? That's what creates stability is by you taking over that leadership role for your dog. Okay. I'm not saying you need to be a military style trainer, but by please, you, you have to create some form of structure, rules, boundaries, and discipline, as we always talk about, as well as that reward side. Okay. Both a nice, even balance between the two. That's the best way to get your dog to relinquish that control to you, which is again, what's healthiest and best. So please remember some of these behaviors that look look all really cute and oh, look at how cute he is putting his paws up on him or, or nipping him because he wants to play or he comes over to me obsessively and tells me he wants to play with this one toy. No, those are controlling behaviors, guys. There's more to it. It's not just cuteness, okay? So try to change your perspective a little bit on this and think next time your dog does something that could be controlling, get them to relinquish that control to you because you're the pack leader and you should be the one in control. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. 
At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and more. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next up on Speak Dogcast, it's a segment on how to get your dog to take you seriously. How do you get a dog to take you seriously? You know, I don't want to take, I don't want them to take me too serious. Why so serious? Uh, not too serious. <laughs> but I want my dog to listen when I need them to listen. And that's not just like a selfish thing. It can be a safety thing. What if my dog's bolting for the ball that just went out into the road and a car's coming? My dog needs to know, leave it and come. I need them to take me seriously in that moment, okay? So it's not just about having control over your dog, but it's being able to have control over your dog, okay? Um, you know, I definitely took my parents seriously <laughs> when I was growing up, when I was a little kid, and I really, I respected my parents a lot. And it was obvious because, well, my my siblings and I, we didn't really act up too much. Of course, we did sometimes. We were still children. But my parents knew how to instill this um, respect and boundaries and rules. And they did it through a lot of love and tough love, right? My parents loved me so much as a kid that they would do anything for us, right? Anything. And so that I always took them seriously, because of that love, because of that strictness on the discipline side as well as the reward side. So think about that. My parents found a pretty good balance, not perfect, love you mom and dad, but no parent is perfect, um, but they found a pretty good balance between that reward and punishment side, and that helped me as a child to want to take them more seriously, okay? So with a dog, how do we establish that? To me, the first way is to build a relationship of trust. And you know something? My parents did the same. Isn't that funny? My parents did the same thing. Um, I knew I could trust my parents as a kid. I did. And my parents knew once I got old enough, of course, to be able to be trusted that they could trust me. And that was that was pretty neat because not all my friends could say that growing up. Not all my friends could say that their parents trusted them or vice versa. And really, for the most part, my parents trusted me. Maybe more than they should have as a teenager, but <laughs> no, we were good kids that we were. Um, but yeah, so you have to build a relationship of trust with your dog and that doesn't come overnight. That definitely takes some time, but I've done a lot of segments on this show that really add up to building a relationship of trust. The first thing, of course, you all know it. If you've listened to my show before, it's the walk. Yeah. Taking your dog for a good quality walk is one of the best, if not the best way to start building that relationship of trust with your dog, okay? It allows us to establish rules, discipline, boundaries, as well as reward and affection. If you haven't listened to my segments on how to walk your dog, definitely go check it out because it's very important that you understand the how and why. Look, to me, everything else in training is irrelevant if your walk isn't under control. There's a right and a wrong way to do the walk, gotta be doing it the right way. Um, so definitely wanna check that out. 
playtime. That's another way we're gonna build a great relationship of trust with our dog. Now I've talked about putting structure to playtime, right? We can teach our dogs, leave it, drop it, those kind of fun commands. And we can incorporate that into playtime. That helps us build trust, believe it or not. Getting a dog to relinquish a toy to you and then showing them you're willing to also give it back, that creates trust in both directions, right? Your dog trusts you to relinquish a toy and, um, you know, I trust my dog enough to relinquish a toy both directions and vice versa. That dog trusts that I'm going to give the toy back. It's going to get it back at some point. And I can trust my dog that it's not going to try to take my hand off getting that toy back. The playtime can help establish trust in your relationship with your dog. But you have to put structure to it. And that kind of leads to the next thing, structure. That's another way we build a relationship. Structure is how we build relationships with our dogs. Um Look, guys, structure is a top-to-bottom kind of thing. The way you let your dog out of the crate in the morning if you're still crating, and the way you let them out the front door in the morning to go pee, that is where the structure begins. The way you feed your dog, the way you walk your dog, the way you let your dog greet other people, the way you give your dog affection. If proper structure is not set up in all of these scenarios, then I got news for you. Unfortunately, that relationship and that relationship of trust is not going to be very strong, okay? So I can't stress it enough. The walk, playtime, and creating structure through all of those things, that's what's going to get you on the right track to start building a good relationship of trust. And again, one way to get your dog to start taking you seriously. Okay. Now, another way to get your dog to take you seriously is to be offering good information, right? Training is really about giving information out, right? Providing information and your dog then takes it in and decides what it wants to do with that information. So you better make sure you're giving off some good information. That's another way to get your dog to take you seriously. Look, if you're not communicating with your dog in a way that they easily understand, then you're not giving them good information. Now, I've talked about communicating with your dog before in another segment. Again, by all means, please go back and listen. I've also talked about tone. Did a whole segment on tone. Tone is so important, guys. Oh my gosh, it's everything. You know, your dog has to believe you, <laughs> right? You you, um, you you have to have a tone that conveys confidence. That's one thing. So your tone needs to convey confidence. You don't want to be going, hey, sit, sit. I want to be going, hey, sit, good boy. Right, you hear that? There's, there's like some confidence behind that. So that's really what your tone needs to convey. And that's how another way to get your dog to take you seriously is you got to sound serious. You don't have to sound mean. You don't have to sound angry. You don't have to sound mad. But you have to sound like you mean it. You have to sound like you're serious. Don't be mean, just mean it. I love that one. That's my favorite. Okay. Now, another example with tone, let's say um, your dog is doing something really bad, right? I don't have a problem with a more serious tone in those kind of moments, but I want you to keep that as like a back pocket thing, right? Your dog needs to know you can mean business, business, but you don't want to be like that all the time because then your dog's not really going to want to listen to you. So I don't have a problem with like a serious, hey, you know, when needed, a serious no when needed, but let's not be communicating with like with them all the time like that. You don't want your dog to take you too seriously <laughs> or you don't want to be too serious that your dog learns to avoid and not listen to that right? Um, so you need to be, find the happy medium with that tone. Don't be mean, just mean it. As I always say, there's a time and a place for serious tone and make sure you're only using it when you need it. Use it wisely, right? Um, now, another thing with tone is 
it, and, and look, I, I say this all the time that people were as human beings, we are all really good <laughs> at pointing out the bad stuff or the undesired stuff. What we're not so good at is pointing out the good stuff. You know, we're really bad at honing in and going, Hey, don't do that. And then once they stop doing it, we don't go, Hey, thanks for stop doing, stop, not doing that. Hey, good job for not doing that. We forget that part. We do. We forget that part. And that's information. I don't want to just give the information of what I don't like. I also need to give, give the information of what I do like. Okay. Really important. And also when we're out on the walk or let's say our dog is, you know, actually I just kind of ran into this earlier tonight. We were, we were out on leash at an appointment and the dog was getting a little distracted with something on the ground, maybe something yummy, you know, and the owner's initial reaction is, hey, hey, no, 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 look over here. That's the initial reaction, right? Now, think of it from the dog's perspective. I found something yummy to eat on the ground, and ooh, this is kind of fun. Uh, but I hear my owner over here yelling at me, and they're kind of, they don't really sound very happy. And, oh, I don't really want to listen to that. I'd rather just stay here and get distracted by this yummy thing on the ground, <laughs> right? Motivation is very important. And from the perspective of the dog, if you sound mad and angry and upset versus I have something fun to play with over here, which one are you going to want to listen to? Whereas if my dog gets distracted by something on the ground and I go, hey, look over here. Hey, look at me, right? Trying to think of a dog name off the top of my head and I can't even think of one blanking. <laughs> hey, Fluffy, come here. <laughs> uh, but the point is you hear my tone. It's a lot happier and excitable. And look, your dog isn't like, trying to go and kill another dog or anything. They're not really doing anything wrong. So motivationally, I need to be like excitable to listen to. I want my dog to want to cue into me. And if I don't sound excited and I only sound angry, the dog's going to go, eh, I don't want to listen to that, right? So being able to offer good information also is your tone and how you come across to your dog. That's another great way to get your dog to take you seriously. If you're using an angry, upset, or frustrated tone too much, too consistently, you're actually teaching your dog to, uh, to not listen to you, to ignore you, believe it or not, right? So if you're trying to get your dog's attention, if you're trying to redirect their behavior, keep that in mind. You should be, hey, you should be nice and happy about it. I want to get, want to make them want to look at you, get that motivation. That's the tone you should be conveying. But that's how you get your dog to want to take you seriously. I have to give them a reason to, I have to give them something to go, Hey, Oh, I want to listen to that. Right. Okay. So very, very important. Now the other part of good information, reward and consequence or punishment. Good information is both of those. Good information is reward. Good information is also consequence. Consequence and punishment tells an animal what I don't like. Reward tells them what I do like. So I got news for you guys. Good information is having both of those. You know, I think I mentioned it on here before that I've had clients in the past where they're like, after a boot camp, I bring the dog back for the you know very first time. They haven't seen him in three weeks. And the dog, even tonight, I brought, brought him to boot camp dog back tonight. Um, and the comment, you know, one of the owners commented that she is just so focused on you. She's like watching you and wow, I can't get over her focus. Now I've had, uh, now this client didn't say this, <laughs> but I've had other clients that go, well, they're only that focused and paying attention on you because you have a treat patch on because you're giving them treats and I look at the clients and I go, do you really think I just spent three weeks only feeding your dog and that's why they're listening to me? Why are you wasting your time and money with me? You already have the answer to this. Why in the world did you pay for a boot camp if all it was going to take was feeding your dog some treats? <laughs> because it takes more than that, guys. It takes punishment and reward. 
The reason my client's dog was so focused on me tonight is I created that focus. I rewarded and strengthened that focus, but I also punished and redirect uh, when it's not. I got that result through punishment and reinforcement, through good information, and that's why that dog takes me seriously. Guys, at the end of the day, a dog is a domesticated wolf, and you know what they're really most concerned about, even though it's a domesticated little doggy? Survival. Instinctually speaking, that dog is mostly concerned about surviving. Yeah. And survival is reward and consequence. Okay? So, are you conveying a leadership role to your dog? Are you commanding a presence with your dog? Does your tone reflect anger and frustration? Does your tone reflect pushoverness? Or does it reflect somewhere in between? You need to ask yourself, would I want to listen to me right now? <laughs> would I believe myself right now? You need to ask yourself, oh gosh, boy, would I want to listen to that? That sounds kind of mean. Maybe I don't. Or the other one, ooh, do I want to listen to that? That sounds like a pushover. I don't really want to listen to that. Gosh, he's not even sure of himself. Ask yourself, would you want to listen to you? Would you want to follow your leadership? And if the answer is no, you got to change something about that. Your dog is only going to take you seriously if you take yourself seriously. Yeah. The only way to get your dog to take you seriously is for you to believe yourself. It's true. Okay. Yes, the discipline comes with it and all the reward and all that good stuff. But you know something? Giving discipline and giving reward, if you're not giving those pieces of information in a confident and sure way, then you're not going to get the good result. Just ask yourself, would I listen to me right now? <laughs> would I want to take direction from me right now the way I'm giving it? And if the answer is no, then you got to do something different. Okay? Now, I'm always about trying to strengthen and reward behaviors that I want to see a dog repeat. I'm all for that. Okay? And that helps the dog take you seriously too. The more you can reward desired behaviors, the more you can tell them, hey, I like that. Keep doing that. Oh, I like that behavior. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. Then the more you're strengthening focus, the more you're strengthening good stuff, and the more your dog is going to want to take you seriously. Okay? But really, at the end of the day, if you want to get your dog to take you seriously, it comes down to this, I think, more than anything. Focus. You need to be able to guide and direct and manipulate your dog's focus and be able to control that focus. And once you can control that focus, that's how you get your dog to take you seriously, okay? Yes, everything I've already talked about definitely plays a role, okay? You have to have a good relationship with your dog. You want to build a relationship of trust through the walk, through playtime, but always providing structure throughout all of those. Now, the other side of it, of course, to get your dog to take you seriously, it's all about good information. That requires giving a good, confident tone. Always go back and listen to my other segments, guys, on tone, on, on walk, on playtime, all these things. You can go back and listen to all these segments and we dive more in depth on how to create a good tone. Okay. But remember, you want your dog to want to listen to you. So you want to have a nice, confident, happy tone. If your dog's getting distracted on something, don't get angry or frustrated at them. No, no, no. Use a happy tone to redirect them to get you look, get, get them to look at you. At the same time, don't be afraid to be stern with your dog. Let out a no or a hey, but make sure you're using that serious tone sparingly. 
You don't want to overuse it too much and teach your dog to be scared of you or want to avoid you. It's all about finding that balance between reward and consequence or punishment. Remember guys, good information is providing both of those, consequence and reward, okay? Survival at the end of the day, you know, that's what it's really all about. And for a dog to uh, seek out survival, they have to seek out good, calm, and confident leadership. A good, good leader, a good leader is going to keep them alive, is going to create survival and create stability for the pack. So you need to ask yourself, does my tone reflect that? Do I reflect the qualities of a leader in what my dog is looking for? Ask yourself, would you want to listen to you right now? Do you believe yourself? Because if you don't even believe yourself, then your dog's not going to, okay? And again, always try to remember that we want to strengthen and reward any desired behaviors that you want to see repeated. No problem with that. We can use food. We can use affection. But at the end of the day, you have to create focus in order for your dog to take you seriously, okay? It's all about the ability to guide and direct and manipulate focus. That's the first way we get our dogs on track. But more importantly, guys, believe in yourself. Be confident in what you do. Make your dog look at you as a source of leadership and a source of strength. That's what I always try to instill in my dogs. And that's why my dogs are phenomenal. And I have such a great pack. Um, it's because I am a source of leadership to them. I'm a source of confidence to them because they know that I have their best interests at heart. I do. Um, try to instill that in your dog by creating good focus and being confident in everything you do. Next up on Speak Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Skipper Key. The Skipper Key, they're members of the non-sporting group, and they come in weighing 10 to 16 pounds. These clever little dogs, the Skipper Keys, they are a fearless breed that is always on alert and ready as a guard dog. While their compact size and ease at adapting to a variety of environments are attractive qualities, this breed is also curious and intense and may not be well suited for every dog owner. Training needs to start early on for the Skipper Key as they do have a natural tendency to want to go exploring out on their own. But, you know, they do well with consistent training and they can actually excel at agility and a wide variety of different sports. Some even do well at herding. They do need a bit of exercise, yes, quite a bit of exercise to keep them happy and healthy. They also can make good watchdogs. However, if they're not taught how to control themselves, they can become barkers. Generally, the Skipper Key is a healthy dog, but they can have issues with luxating patellas, uh, hip problems, and some thyroid issues as well. Kept healthy, they can live from 12 to 14 years. The origin of the Skipper Key, well, they are an older breed, and they were developed in Belgium sometime in the late medieval period. The breed came about as there was a need for a small fearless dog that would hunt vermin on boats that crisscrossed the canals and waterways. Now, they also provided guard duty as a watchdog for the boats and at some of the shops and in, in the local harbors as well. It is thought that the name Skipper Key is actually derived from the Flemish word for little captain, sort of as an homage to their beginnings in the, uh, you know, around all the waterways and boats. Now, it's believed that the Skipper Key was bred down from a black sheepdog, which was a herding breed, but with the distinction of particularly developing that watchdog quality as well. 
The breed began to grow in popularity as a pet when Queen, Queen Marie Henriette saw one of the Brus- uh, saw one of the dogs at the Brussels Dog Show in 1885. Now, from there, the breed made its way to the U.S. in 1888. And you know, the Skipper Key, they are a very smart and energetic and able dog. And that really will reward any owner willing to put in the time and dedication that it takes to make this breed an awesome dog. The answer to today's trivia question, what breed of dog is sometimes referred to as Little Black Devil? Well, it's our breed of the week, the Skipper Key. Yeah, Skipper Keys have been called the Little Black Devil. They've also been called the Little Black Fox or Tasmanian Black Devil. We know those guys can be a little stubborn and full of energy, so the nickname is rightfully earned. Next up on Speak Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Diana from Sarasota, Florida. Diana says, my dog is possessive over me and it has really become a problem. He nips at my kids when they come downstairs in the morning. He'll nip at people when they get up to leave the house. And he really doesn't like any time my husband moves at all, nipping, barking, and growling at him. What can I do to fix this? Well... Diana, you know, it, it's, it, it's going to start with the fact that your dog doesn't view you as a leader. You know, um, that's just the blunt truth of it. It's, it's nothing personal to you, but your dog thinks that it owns you. And it, obviously, that's why the possessiveness, it thinks it owns you, uh, possessiveness has come about. Now, why your dog chose this behavior and has patterned this, I can't tell you without diving more into it. But what you can do to fix it is start disciplining your dog, providing some structure, rules, and boundaries, and not allowing those behaviors. Again, you know, I'm not picking on you, but I'd have to guess you're probably not doing anything to get the dog to stop. You might be saying no or something like that, but if the dog isn't responding to it, then it's not really a form of discipline. It's not really a form of punishment to get that behavior to decrease, okay? Um, so you have to go about fixing this by starting to create some structure and rules and boundaries in your dog's life. That includes affection, not letting him lay on your lap, not letting him up on furniture and making him give you space and not be obsessive about being near you. You need to start taking him for healthy, long walks, getting him nice and tired and creating structure on those walks. Uh, if you haven't listened to my podcast episodes about how to walk your dog, definitely go back, check that out. Um, but you know, that's really where it starts guys. It, it's going to start with that structure, that rules, those boundaries. Because when a dog starts lashing out like this, and when a dog attempts to take control over everything and displace that control upon everything, then it's feeling this need to overcompensate. It feels like no one else is calling the shots. No one else is being the leader, and so it steps up and has to. Then it almost becomes obsessive. Then they maybe find this one particular way, uh, for example, being possessive over you, that in its mind works really well, and then it thinks it should do that, and it becomes the norm, and and it just spirals out of control. Okay, so the first thing you can do to fix this is create structure, rules, and boundaries. Make sure you're walking your dog properly. Make sure you're giving them long, good walks to make them exercised. Remember, walks are 85% mental, only 15% physical. So make sure you're giving them that mental stimulation, that mental energy draining that we need, and the physical side will come along with it. That's the first place to start. But of course, I really would recommend uh, getting with a professional. You can reach out to me again. Actually, you know, I'll I'll email you back here, and we'll we'll hopefully chat a little bit and open the conversation. 
Uh, but now I'm doing those those uh, virtual training sessions. So we maybe should set up a consultation and we can talk more about it and then make a plan on how to really go about adjusting your dog's behavior. Next question today, this comes from Tom from West Palm Beach, Florida. Tom says, I got a new puppy a few months ago and he really has been a good dog overall. And I love this. Thank you, Tom, for this next part. I've been listening to your podcast and it's really been a great help keeping his behavior in line. However, there is something I would like to fix. When I take him outside to pee, he squats down and doesn't move his front paws forward enough that he ends up peeing on them every time. How can I stop him from doing this? Great question, Tom, and thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and I'm so glad uh, that the information is helping and that it's really been helping you get on track and training with your dog. That's fantastic. You know, this is a funny one, actually, because you're not the first person to say this to me. (laughs) This is not the first uh, dog I've had this experience with. And it's silly because they don't realize it, you know, (laughs) they don't realize they're not moving their paw forward. And honestly, this is a pretty simple fix, but you have to be consistent about it. And it's a little tough. And there is a chance you might get peed on. Um, Just being honest. (laughs) Look, this is how I fix that. It's, It's a physical pattern of where your dog puts his paws when he goes to pee right? It's, it's a physical location that he has ended up conditioning and patterning. My foot goes here. Believe it or not, you can recondition and repattern where that foot goes. So when your dog, when you take your dog out, you need to leash them up. This is the easiest way to do it. So that way they're not, you know, going across the yard from you and you can't get there in time. So if you leash them up and you're taking them out to pee, which if they're a puppy, you should be doing that anyway, by the way. Um, but leash them up, take them out. When he goes to squat, normally they start to spread out their legs, right? They'll put the back legs out first and then put the front ones out or whatever. You know, what you're going to do is right as he's doing that, just reach in with your hand, just give his front legs a little tap just on the backside, just a little tap, like to move him forward. And when he feels that tap, he's naturally going to want to lift his leg up and move it forward. You just tap both paws right as he's going to pee and it forces his legs forward like another inch or two. That way his paws will be far enough forward that the pee won't reach it. Okay. Um, again, you might get splashed. <laughs> I'm warning you now, it's not pretty sometimes, but it's better than having to clean pee off of your dog's foot every single time you take him out and he needs to relieve himself, you know? Um, some dogs will naturally grow out of that. Some dogs, as they grow, as they get bigger and their legs get bigger, they naturally will be reaching forward further than they their pee can reach. However, I've had almost full-grown dogs where they've been doing it since they were a puppy, and, it, and you know the owners tell me he's been doing it since he's little, and we're almost a year old, and he's, he's still doing it. Because again, he physically patterned where he's putting that paw. So just think about it that way. Recondition where that paw ends up right before he goes pee. And Tom, you're in West Palm Beach. If you need any help with anything, training, boarding, you name it, give me a call. Check out the website, thenatureoftraining.com. Shameless plug. Come on, can't help it. Um, (laughs) But uh, definitely check that out. And of course, once again, all you listeners, my second shameless plug again, here we go. Uh, All you listeners out there, anybody out there that wants to train with me and work with their dog, we're doing it now. Virtual training. Email me questions at speakadogcast.com. Tell me a little bit about what's going on with your pup, with your dog, and we can set up a consultation from there. Talk more in depth about your dog's behavior. And once again, make that fantastic training plan to get you guys on track and get your dog's behavior under control. As always, I would love to be part of that process. So let me know. But uh, Tom, hope that answers your question for you. And again, guys, any questions for that Q&A, email me questions at speakadogcast.com. 
that's going to wrap up the podcast today, guys. Thank you so much for listening in. Hey, if you haven't clicked that subscribe button, be sure you go ahead and do so. And if you're interested in that virtual training, getting your dog's behavior under control, email me questions at speakadogcast.com. Have a wonderful week and don't forget to get out there and walk your dog.